is the Go Radio Football Show Podcast. Hosted by Paul Cooney, Leanne Crichton and Stephen Cregan. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Well, the great weather has gone, but we're still basking in the glow of our 1-0 win over Austria the other night. Yet second top of the group, a real chance of a playoff place for Qatar 2022. We've got two of Motherwell's finest with us tonight, the new Motherwell star and assistant boss, part of the coaching team, Leanne Crichton. Leanne, great to see you. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you too. Smile on everyone's face, isn't it? Everyone's uh, bubbling, bouncing and looking forward to hopefully, the, well, the match with Israel and maybe going further. Stephen, we saw you in the telly last night. I know yeah. we thought you would be here in the studio, but you were absolutely right <laughs> to be at Windsor Park and not a bad performance. But what about Scotland the night before? How did you feel? Absolutely terrific. I just felt the way Scotland managed the game, Paul. I think the way Steve Clark sets his team up, they don't look as if they're going to score four or five goals in a game. But when they do get the goal that they need, I like how they're, you know, they believe in their system. They believe in their setup. They trust each other, and that was a huge statement the other night moving forward in the group. Leanne, we just went for it. We had to, and it worked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the performance shows you everything that you need to know about the the squad and the group of players that Steve Clark's got. You know that once they got the the result and the goal that they needed, they worked, you know, tirelessly for each other on the pitch, and and they dug in right to the very end. And I think that's what we know the the boys are capable of. That's why we love them. That's why we support them as much as we do. And and are so disappointed in the moments that perhaps they, they don't quite give us exactly what we want. But a brilliant result um, sets us up lovely. And it was great to hear today. I think Hamden's a sellout for that Israel game. So to have a an atmosphere, you know, it'll be electrifying. I'm sure the players will be already penciling into the diary and looking forward to it. But no, it's a good position for us to be in. That's a month from now, isn't it? 9th of yeah. October. But they made up three weeks on Sunday. That's yep. when they yeah, made it's up for not the too camp. Far away. Wow. You know, so it's not even sure. that close. And in that period of time, Rangers and Celtic have got seven games between now and then, which is incredible yeah. to think how many games of football some of these guys are going to have to play. It's strap yourself in time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it, listen, it's great for yeah. us because we get to watch it, we get to work at it, and you be get working to see everywhere. the big game. Well, are, are you ever home? I love you. <laughs> so when did you come back? I was thinking that, Stephen's in with yeah. you and me tonight, so you have to stay in Belfast to take I did, it. Which, I stayed last which night. Which is not a hardship, I don't mean. No, no, absolutely not. It's always nice to go home. Yeah, it's always great. nice to go home and see the home city. But it's just interesting about Steve, about Steve Clark when Leanne's talking. His words after the game, when he said, I love my players. I thought that was really strong. And it's, it's, it's created that siege mentality and his players have all bought into it. Listen, some people in the country don't really believe in this group of players, but I do. I love my players. Trust them everywhere we go. We know we're a good team. We know we're a good group. We're trying to grow together. And we're looking forward to getting a full house at Hamden for the next game. And the Tartan Army will get right behind us. You all wrote us off too soon. That's one of the headlines today. He was, he was hurt by the criticism, but that, that goes with the territory. Where do you stand on it, Leanne? No, I, I can understand why Steve has come out and with the comments that he's, he's saying, you know, and he's protecting his players. I think that's ultimately what every manager needs to do. Um, I, I think there was discussions over the weekend in and around perhaps the performance levels of the squad. We speak about it all the time, the goals that they maybe could score or they should score and the chances that they've created maybe over a, a number of games and not taking them. And I think as Scotland fans, we always feel we end up in a position where it becomes a last-ditch attempt to qualify. But my point at the weekend was, if that's what it takes to qualify and get somewhere, we'll do it the hard way because that's, you know, that's football and that's part of the roller coaster. But you can see what, what Steve Clark is building with that squad and success is, is never going to come overnight. I think even in international football over a, a two-year period, it's, it's tough to come by, top results. Um, but when you look at the squad that we've got and the age 
within the squad. There's lots of scope to develop and grow. And I think that's the part that Steve will see day in, day out. And he works with that squad and he sees those group of players mm -hmm. and he narrows it down when he puts out a squad selection and there's players that miss out. He knows the strength and depth that he's got to that. But I think that's just part and parcel of football. Um, there would be nothing to talk about if we all just sat back and said that everything was going to be great and there was no discussion points and there was no yeah. um, dissection you know, sure. of every performance, then there would be no point in us having shows like this. So that's what Steve's, I think, the backlash has come from. You don't often hear a Scotsman saying in public, I love my players. Yeah. Scotsman or woman saying yeah. it. We're, you know, we're not prone to open affection, but you mm. can hear how he cares about the players. But he was also stung. I think he said some people didn't believe in his players. I think people do believe in the players. People did question his cautious approach, the match with Czech Republic. Um, I know he took us to the tournament. Yeah. And it was that moment where mm. with the new contract, which, I don't know, what do you feel in the contract? I think most people feel they were right to get an extended contract with Steve Clark. Yeah. But you're up for public scrutiny. You are. And, you know, people have to remember where the national team were before Steve Clark took over. They had lost against Kazakhstan in Kazakhstan. Was it 3-0? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, yep. beat, they beat San Marino or the Pharaohs just after. Was it the San Marino? They won 2-0 yeah. or something after that game. Yep. So when Steve Clark came in, they weren't in a good place. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of disappointment, a lot of criticism towards Alex McLeish. If you'd said within two years, you'll have been to your first major final since 1990. You will uh, be second place in your group in pole position for to go to a World Cup playoff spot, you'd have thought, really? Well, absolutely take it. If you'd have said last week after the three games, three games in six days, now that is a lot of legwork for Scotland players. That is tough going. Three competitive games. Not even a friend, a friend in the middle where you can rest mm -hmm. players. If you'd have said you'll take six out of nine, because you're going to Denmark who got to the semi-final of the Euro. Six out of nine, you'll win in Austria. You'd have said, we'll take it. And I just felt the performance level from Denmark to Moldova to Austria, it, it got better as it went on. Mm -hmm. Moldova was never in doubt. I don't no. care. They were winning 1-0. There was never any threat of losing the game. Disappointment, not making it 2, 3 and 4? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. But if they had got a second or a third, everybody would have been saying, what a great performance. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we get caught up with scorelines and we think, oh, 1-0, oh, we're lucky that was close. Mm -hmm. Whereas against Austria, I thought they looked a really well-organised professional outfit who knew how to go and win a game they had to win. They won in Serbia in penalties. They drew in England. They've won in Austria. They've shown when their backs are against the wall and people come out and have a little pop at them, they've got that response in them. I suppose the next challenge is, is putting that type of result and performance in when you're a favourite. And that's yeah. when it'll be tested next month against Israel. Loads to talk about on the international scene. We're not going to let it go for a few days, are we? But so much to talk about. You mentioned the games coming up for Rangers mm -hmm. and Celtic. And we're going to turn to that in a moment or two. We want to find out exactly where... About Yanis Hadji, when can he play again? And there's better news for Rangers fans. Uh, Kyogo, Furuhashi, there's a kind of veil of secrecy over him. <laughs> we saw him limp off in the match with China. We'll try and find out more on that. And, uh, well, last night you saw Stephen Davis in action again. 38 yeah. years old. 36. 30, 36. 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, and he very seldom played a pass against Lithuania over 10, 12 yards. He kept it so simple, yet he affected the game by making really good decisions. Last night was more difficult. We had to defend for long spells. We're on the back foot. But he still has that touch of class and he's still our talisman at 36 years of age. A draw last night, still a chance. Maybe more about that during the programme. So, Stephen Cragen with uh, Leanne Crichton, Paul Cooney and Jamie's on the line now. He wants to talk club football. Jamie, good evening. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, Leanne. Good evening, Stephen. Good to hear Steven, you, Jamie. Steven, Jamie. Steven, you, you, he's the funniest 
Paul. Yeah. Obviously, we won't tell you side of the club. And I'll be the game on Saturday. Uh-huh. And I won't play a party, obviously, as I said to you before. How many of you signings did Stephen and Brad think will start? Right, let's come back to you on that. First of all, that's a great question, Liam. What do you think? Will I throw one at you? Is it going to be Juranovic or Ralston? You would expect to see him soon. You know, I think he's, he's probably due a start, but then at the same time, I was at Celtic Park. Oh, Juranovic? Yeah. Juranovic. He played in the old firm game, didn't he? He played left back. He started, did he actually start? He started, he started so he yeah, did. He did. Yeah, he did. Greg Taylor was out, didn't he? Yeah. But in so terms of his, his yeah, home did. debut so, as well, yeah. yeah, I think the Celtic fans will be desperate to see him at Celtic Park. I think it's a different game in terms of their performances when they've gone away from home. Jamie, I don't know how many of the games you've you've seen this season, but certainly they've they've been flawless at Celtic Park. And I think if you're going to try and, and get a player into your squad and, and build confidence and relationships and get the home support on side, I think maybe this weekend would be an opportunity mm-hmm. to go and do that. Having said that, though, Ralston, 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 you're not playing exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's if anything, you would be resting him. Mm-hmm. I think would would be the excuse. I think he's been outstanding this season. I think he's been one of Celtic's probably strongest mm-hmm. performers. I think the the pressure that he was under. You know, the scrutiny that we spoke about, did he deserve to start? Was he good enough to start? Um, not even just from a defensive point of view, actually in possession, I think he's been one of Celtic's best players and everything that, that's been good about Celtic is, is is coming from the foundations that he starts. It's a kind of fairy tale for him, isn't it? Because Brendan yep. Rodgers, uh, you know, he put him out on loan. Then Neil Lennon came in, it was the same story. Yep. And he didn't go with any great effect anywhere, Stephen. For him to come back... And to play so well, hard to leave him out. If yeah. if Greg Taylor was fit, would Juranovic play or Ralston? Well, or on Tony Ralston, the fact that he was given a year's contract in the summer, and I think from the outside looking in, he was given the contract because they didn't have a recognised senior right back at the club. So they thought, we'll give him another year, he'll tide us through pre-season mm. and we'll move him on when, come January. So I think he is probably Celtic's most improved player since mm. the start of the season because he's taken the information on board, he's taken his performance level, to a level that I'm not too sure anybody thought he could get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's defending 1v1 in the old firm game, using his body, being physical, being brave. And I think, fair play to you, because that was the one last chance he had to have a career at Celtic. Mm-hmm. And when you leave a club like Celtic or Rangers and, and, and you start dropping down, he's been to St. Johnson, he's been to Dundee United, and he's thought, I might never get back there. So why not give it everything you've got in that one last chance? You said about giving Tony Ralston a rest. He, his argument back would be, I've just had two weeks rest. Yeah. It's been an international window. So, yeah. depending on how Juranovic is, because I think he played for Croatia on Wednesday night, I think he played in that game, depending on how he is fatigue-wise or injury-wise, it could be a case of playing Tony Ralston now and maybe leaving Juranovic for the Real Betis game. But listen, it's a tough yeah. call, but it's a good problem to have. It is, isn't it? Jamie, here's one of your new signings, one of the 12 over the close season, in from Shamrock Rovers. It's Liam Scales. What's his best position? That's where he was asked. It's like, I'm comfortable playing in, in a couple of positions I'd say my strongest position is, is left side, centre back or left back. In the last season or so with Chamac Rovers, I was playing left wing back. I played in a back three with Rovers on the left and in the middle. So I don't necessarily think I have a strongest position. I think I can cover all areas kind of as well as each other. Jamie, what else did you want to ask? What else do you want to say about Celtic ahead of the game on Saturday? Oh, to answer Leanne's question, I go in parties all the time. So I'm a wee bit celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Even bigger now, Jamie, the impression you're having on us all here in Go Radio. <laughs> Tell your friends to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> with the boys we normally say, I'm a wee bit celebrity. Excellent. 
Thomas Crouch to bad to be asked obviously with Kyogo. Yeah. Is there any doubt about playing for that? It's hard, I think. Uh, I just want to go looking maybe rest him. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. third these against the Albertis. Because mm-hmm. I think we'll get nearly enough. I'm quite, I'm quite happy, obviously, about the transfer. And it wouldn't be because I was the one complaining in the middle of August, dear, I didn't think we were bringing enough players in. But I'm quite happy now, obviously, with the players we've brought in and what positions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being a fan, you yep. might be here, but I'm quite happy about them going through. Leanne? Jamie, if Kyogo isn't fit for the weekend, who would lead the line for you? Who's your central striker? Uh-huh. We're calling him Gigi Gikamakis. Yeah, Gikamakis is the yeah. Love to hear the enthusiasm there from from him. Make some good points there. Yeah, Jamie, sorry. We've got we've got pace up front with these two. I think these two have got severe havoc. Havoc against Ross County. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. I look deeper into it, and I, I look at the likes of Callum McGregor, mm-hmm. who already has played a lot of games, mm-hmm. been away with Scotland, only started two of the three, but played a lot of minutes. You just wonder would they be looking at a game like Ross County? You know. I, I, Ange Postacoglu wouldn't want to disrespect him, but would he leave him out and try and freshen him up for the year? You know, look mm-hmm. in the next seven games, you know, Betis and, and, and the uh, and then Leverkusen, Aberdeen, all to come before the next international. Yeah. What's the situation thing. with James McCarthy just now? Is he well, available? He didn't he travel to, to AZ. Games or? Well, he didn't travel to AZ uh, and he wasn't involved with um, in the old firm game. Mm-hmm. So whether it was COVID related, whether it was mm-hmm. injury, yeah. or whether it was just because uh, he's a, another player that you yeah. would like to be able to utilise in exactly. these moments mm-hmm. of rotating your squad. And you know, Craig makes a good point. I think that was the issue over the last number of seasons with Callum McGregor is that he was just burnt out by you know by yeah. a point. Mm-hmm. And he's a player that will never say to you, "Don't put me in your team at the weekend," or, or "I'm needing a rest." But I think at times mm-hmm. you need to, you need to take that decision away from him. That's a great point though about James McCarthy, and he's signed a long term deal. Yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, the next month or two for him could be crucial. He could go off to a flyer with Celtic and uh, prove to be a snip. Really. Well, we've just spoke yeah. about the amount yeah. of games coming up, isn't of it? Course, so you, yeah. you you need him in your squad. You've not brought him to the club to, to have him there and thereabouts. Yeah. You want him to be starting games and influencing games and, and being part of that You know, over the course of the season. Mm. So he would uh, be certainly one that you'd be looking to utilise. Big time for Turnbull as well. Soro, mm. you know, he's been in and out. Well, yeah. that, well that's another one. You know, Particularly in that engine room mm-hmm. where... The guys will go through a lot of legwork. You know, they're spending time in the ball, they're making runs forward, they're getting back into shape. So you just think, Sora will have to play his part. Mm-hmm. Uh, James McCarthy will have to play his part. Jota, Yakamakis coming in. Mm-hmm. All these guys need to play in the next seven games. And this is where Ange Postacoglu will realise how strong the squad is. You know, how many players are fit and ready to play in his system and his style or how much work they still have to do. So he will learn mm-hmm. an awful lot about the squad in that. Here's Jota speaking about Celtic style of football under Ange Postacoglu. From what I can see in the game, it's a very dynamic football, very aggressive football. Uh, we want to score goals. We, we want to be further in the pitch. So I think type of football we practice in the games is the type of fr- football he wants us to practice. So it's in the eyes of everyone. And yeah, I just want to do the same. Jamie, before you go, Leo's been on from Hamilton saying he's a big fan of you, enjoyed the comments you have had here on Go Radio. So seriously, that came oh, on the socials uh, from young Leo. Yeah. That's good, that's good to know, Paul. Can I make a quick point about James McCarthy? Go on. I think, you know, 
we want them for as well, because I think, obviously, we maybe also right, Christy Lander, which I spoke to people about that, mm-hmm. and they hoped they would stay. I hoped they would stay too, but they wanted to go. Yeah. They didn't want to stay. Yep. I mean, it's a short career. I think fans of Celtic or Rangers can't understand why people go. Maybe they do nowadays, because mm-hmm. we were talking about it last night, and I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to put his people thinking, oh, we've got something. He's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. But you look at Jack Henry, who has gone to Ostend and then he's moved on to Club Bruges. He'll be playing against PSG very soon and Lionel Messi. And Ryan Christie, this weekend, is playing for Bournemouth against Barnsley. He's better than that, but I know it could be a stepping stone yeah. to Southampton and Everton or whatever. And I think yeah. that's the bigger picture, you know, for yeah. Ryan Christie, and that's what he's got to look at. I think he was a brilliant servant, mm. you know, at Celtic. I think he was a mature young Whoa. player as well. You know, he took that opportunity and went to Aberdeen, and you know, at a time where he had to go and, and develop himself both yeah. physically uh, as a player and on the pitch and learn. And, and I think he managed to do that. He's shown everybody how good he is. It frustrates us when we see good Scottish players leaving Scotland and I think that's ultimately where I think is a nation and as a product within Scotland we need to get better how do you keep these players in Scotland you know if it's financially then how do we grow the game and develop it to the point that these players don't want to go mm. I listened to your conversation uh, with the guys off Sky the other week Paul yeah. and mm. you know they were surprised at the crowds and, and how many people were actually interested in the Scottish game so I think there's room for growth and development here but until we find that point we're always going to lose our best players at some point to these English clubs that, that don't look that appealing mm. to us but financially you know as a, as a player that could go and it's a short career at the end of the day and I think that's what people forget is that, that these players get opportunities and you assume they might play for another 10 years but you could go and pick up an injury next week and, and never mm. kick a ball again so that's a bigger picture Jamie enjoy Saturday we'll speak to you soon Cheers, Cheers Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. And we have our first managerial casualty of the season, and it's a former old firm star who's moved in. Tell you more in a moment. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Go Radio Football Show. It's the Thursday night edition. Stephen Craigan, how many games coming up for Celtic and Rangers in the next three Se- weeks? Seven, ga- seven games in the next twenty-three days. Wow, is what they have, which is an incredible amount of games, and that's just. This is where your squad has to be utilised and everybody's got to be on point, ready to play. Leanne, where else would you go? Every night, five till seven. Okay, we will watch when you're on the telly on the beep <laughs> at the weekend. I can't keep up with the two of you. But it's great, isn't it, brilliant, having the clubs in Europe, uh, you know, having the, the title race in all the divisions. It's yes, all there it's... to be had at this time. And mentioning, actually, uh, Tony Quinn, the Queen's Park. Tony Quinn, the Queen's Park legend. He's 40. Tony Quinn is 40. He's been there a long time. And, I played uh, against him. Did you? I, I you played, must have, I, yeah. I played against I'm him just, for Motherwell against yeah. Queen's Park. And I think I may have played against him for Partick Thistle, Queen's Park. That may have been too long ago, but certainly Careful. I played against him for Motherwell. You might start giving your age away here, Craig. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm close to 40, but not as close as Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, just looking at some of them online here. Tony Quinn, 40 years old. Yeah. Congratulations in Queen's Park, top of the table. We'll talk about the first division. I did mention about a manager who's gone, and it's David Hopkin at Air United, joint bottom of the championship, and he's the first casualty. But coming in is Jim Duffy, certainly meantime, the former Morton boss, Celtic player at one time. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, a shame to see him go. I think it's early on in the the season whether he's just felt that the job was was too much or, or you know whatever just wasn't clicking. You know, sometimes mm. it just happens whether it's a group of players and himself, and they just don't seem to be getting results. You know, I think the the league cup before the the season kicked off, they were doing okay mm. and, and some decent results, but as the league campaigns got up and running, they they really struggled. 
Um, and the, I mean, the championship is no easy division to go and get results in. We we know that, you know, week in, week out, there's teams that surprise you, but Air have become accustomed to be one of those teams that are normally around the top half and three, you know, third, fourth place that they're fighting out for. So they've fallen by the wayside and, and whether the, the club have just agreed that, you know, they part ways. So Jim Duffy goes in there and he'll look to steady the ship and, and look to try and get results. I think they need that as quickly as they possibly can. We're going to talk Rangers in a second or two. We're going on the lines. First of all, let's hear from Steve Clark, still uh, looking back to the other night. What a result for Scotland winning against uh, Austria. And the next game, 50,000. It's sold out, the match with Israel. It means that the next game's another cup final. Tonight was a cup final. We needed three points. We got three points. We've got Israel at home. We want three points. And that's what we'll play for. Three points, we got the message. And yeah. uh, it's going to be yeah. tough though, isn't it? It's going to be goals that well, night well, for sure. I don't think they care if it's goals or not. Steve Clark doesn't bother. You know, if you, if you beat Israel, you go, what, four points above them with three games to play. Uh, and suddenly Scotland really are on the driving seat. Denmark are a top side, you have to say. They're really, really mm. good. I mean, they beat Austria 4-0 away from home. Yeah. They beat Israel 5-0 at home. So you look at them beating Scotland 2-0 at home, you know, I'm not... I wouldn't say you celebrate that, but you think it could have been a lot yeah. worse when you're two 0 down, yeah. and then it becomes damn it, uh, damage limitation. You got to also think, of, you know, ahead of the Denmark game, limited preparation. Mm. You know, they played on the Wednesday night. Jack Henry flew and met them from Belgium. Hadn't even met the squad until the day before the game. Call offs, COVID restrictions, six outfield subs. So all those things were against them, and people get a little bit carried away. But Denmark are a top side, so beat Israel next month, then they can start dreaming of playoffs. Back to that shortly. Good news for Rangers fans. It looks as though Yanis Hadji, who contracted COVID, we know he was out of the Romanian squad, then he should be ready for next Thursday in the match with Lyon here at Ibrox. Let's go on the line to Lewis, a Rangers fan. Good evening, Lewis. Good evening, how are you? I ah, were good. What about yourself? Yeah, a bit sore, but still good, yep. A bit sore from playing... Yeah, just playing, yeah. Yeah, good. And hopefully uh, pleased about Scotland as well. Yeah, I was at the game um, last Saturday and the first half was really good, high intensity, but then we came at the second half a bit slow. Yeah. Just normal, what we do normally, go one up and then basically part of the bus, gave Moldova more of the ball as well instead of pressing out of the part and it just, just became basically holding on to the one nil win. How pleased were you when you saw Scotland going for it against Austria and winning? Yeah, that was better. Yeah, that's that's the way we should play every game, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we don't play that every game. I mean, we did be a top side Austria. We're going going for the game for like the full eighty minutes. For the last ten minutes, we slacked off a bit, but the, but we play Moldova's and we play unbelievable the first half. We press them high. We have all the ball. They get them any chances. Craig Gordon was attested, and in the second half, we mm-hmm. come out and we sit behind the ball. And it's like, what's the point in that? Right, well, you've both played at international level many times, in your case, Northern Ireland, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, are there pushovers these days? Because Lewis thinks, you know, yeah. we should have scored more. No, listen, there's no pushovers, let's be honest. I, th- I think over the years, sports science has played a big part. Teams are better organised, teams are fitter. That's all the things you can influence out with having ability. So you make yourself a really difficult team to play against. You know, you even look around the likes of Lithuania or you look at uh, Latvia's and... and, and um, even Sam Reynolds and Liechtenstein's, they've got players playing at decent levels now. You know, they're not all just playing domestic football and driving a taxi during the day and playing international football at night. It's changed a little bit. So everybody has to up the game that little bit more. So teams are becoming a little bit more resilient and resolute and hard to break down. If you get one and you get two, then sometimes they can fold. But 
when it stays at 1-0, they always think we need one corner, one free kick, one moment of, of magic. And that's always the, the risk that teams play against. But I just felt last week, I, you know, I said it against Moldova, Scotland were never in danger. <laughs> of course, everybody wanted them to go score three or four goals and they had chances to do that. But ultimately, they get the game won. Mm. And if Scotland get to the World Cup finals next year, people are not going to look back and say, remember that game against Moldova? And they didn't play very well. People won't really <laughs> mind. As long as they get to the playoffs and get to the World Cup, that yeah. has to be the ultimate goal. Of course, with a little bit of style and finesse, we'd all love that. But you'd rather have a winning team than a team who's good to watch and doesn't win. I hear you, but you're professionals. You've played so many times for Scotland. Is it that difficult to put the ball in the back of the net when it's presented in front of you? And we had so many chances He's against Moldova. asking me, Leanne, I don't know what I'm <laughs> <answer>. I'm <laughs> ask Leanne in that one. Well, uh, yeah, I think Leanne had more international goals than... Uh, well, she had me, I had none, so yeah. she... Yeah, uh, yeah she, right, she okay, wouldn't have been too hard. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> but I, I'm kind of asking what people think. We hear yeah. you, it makes yeah. sense, and I'm nodding, and then I suddenly think, yeah, but why do we miss so many chances? Well, that is that is the question, but I think it comes down to quality, it comes down to the psychology of the game, I think, as well, and that's probably where there's a, a, a bit of a catch-22 with Scotland at times, because we, we know the quality that they've got, but ultimately they don't have, we don't have... You know, 50, 60 million pound striker that, that's going to put the ball in the back of the net even with one chance and I think at international level as much as we we speak about half chances and decent chances you know, are, are they really clear cut opportunities at times I think at the top level of the game you would expect strikers to go and score them but I think we need to be realistic of where we are I think we've got a really strong group I think we've got lots of talent within it our midfield is naturally our strongest part of the team. Defensively, I think we're growing and we're getting stronger and we're getting better. I think we've seen that even with players like Jack Henry coming in. Grant Hanley, I thought, was outstanding in his performances. Um, the goalkeeping situation, we've always been lucky in the sense that we've got good goalkeepers there. So probably the final part of the, the jigsaw is that final third and, and the striker options that we've got. I think Dykes and Adams are brilliant and they do the job that Scotland need them to do. But... I don't think they're the type of strikers that will score on every opportunity that they get. We you don't have a Harry Kane or a Yes, Steve right. Clark can't do an awful lot about that. Yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? When sure. he gets them for two or three days before a game, he doesn't work for three hours on crossing and finishing. He has to you know, trust the players. That's what they do away from playing for Scotland. That's what they'll do every day and get used to that touch. All he can do is put them into a shape in an organisation, ask for people to put the ball in certain areas and the players have to take them. So that will be a frustration for him as well, Paul. You know, there's no sure. doubt about it. He will want Scotland to go and win 2-3-0 and three nil so we can stand at the side of the park and actually enjoy the game. But when it's 1-0, there's always that chance of a little mistake or a little individual error that could cost you. So I think that's the player's responsibility. In the Moldova game, sorry, was, was a pressure game simply yeah. because three points was the most important mm -hmm. thing. So at the, at the point you go 1-0 up, of course it would be good to go and add to that, but then in the back of your mind, as Craig's touched on, it only takes one free kick, one corner, one mistake, one you know judgment of error that, that you get wrong, and you drop two points. And I think that's where the players have recognised mm -hmm. that we can do this the hard way. You know, it might only be a couple of 1-0s along the way, but certainly if it's the route to, to the you know, you know what, big competitions, then we'll to, take it. I used to love 1-0s. Because it meant you were defending your box, you were heading yeah. things. It was all yeah. almost batting down the hatches and think, let's see this. But that's through. a team yeah. performance as well. It was good. Though, it was like right satisfaction. Aye, yeah. Those are the moments that actually brings the team closer yeah. together as well, because everybody's defending and working for each other. Actually, we're going to go back to Lewis on Rangers now, but actually Craig Gordon, he spoke about, he gave credit to all parts of the team. Yeah, I felt comfortable all night. The guys in front of me were absolutely superb all night, chucking their bodies in front of things. We defended the box so well when we had to, and as you say, limited them to, to very few opportunities. And the one that came through, I managed to keep out. So from my point of view, it was a, a fairly quiet evening, but got to give huge credit to, to the guys in front who were outstanding all night. 
beautifully understated. I'm not sure it was as good a save as uh, in Paris, but it was a great, it was a really yeah. good save. I mean, where it came in. But his reflexes, he is 38, isn't he? He, yeah, he is 38. He is 38. Yes, he is. Lewis, Rangers, back into action this weekend. We mentioned about Hadji. Uh, what are you feeling? Uh, the match at St. Johnson, what's in your mind about the champions? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident going into this game. Yeah, I feel like uh, <clears throat> Celtic game just before the international breaks probably gave the the whole squad, not just the players that was like playing, but the players that were out as well. Seeing the, everybody come together and get a result against the rivals, and a few players, a big few key players as well, McGregor, Tavernier, yeah. the manager not being on the sidelines. So players no watching, seeing that, would they gave them a lift, and the players playing in the game or on the bench that probably gave them a lift. So I'm confident going to this game that we're going to win. I think I think he'll change a few players, though. I think he'll. I think he'll start that Bakuna, Junior Bakuna. I think he'll get a start uh, at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Chance to see Bakuna. Okay. Who else do you think? Yeah, I think? Or what about Nathan Patterson? So we're touching on Scotland and Rangers. How can they keep him out the team? How can anyone keep him out of the first team? Everton were in for well, him, didn't get him. It was a you know a crazy low offer. But uh, what do you recommend, Nathan Patterson? He's fighting for a place as a club captain, though, isn't he? So it's not going to be the easiest to get in, but. If he keeps putting in the performances that he's putting in, then it's going to be hard for Gerard to keep him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as simple as that. As Gerard said before, he's going to have he's got, he plays he plays his informed players. So if Tavernier's out of form and Nathan Patterson's in form, then I reckon he'll change it in a heartbeat. That will not be a problem with Gerard. But fighting against a club captain for the position, that's always the hardest spot to get into the new, especially with Tavernier's delivery as well. Yeah. He could be half form if he wants, but and a click of a finger, he could put a ball in. Perfect on or anybody's sure. That's a goal. Change the game, Leanne. Well, I suppose it just depends what what shape the squad's in ahead of the weekend. You know how strong will Tavernier be looking ahead of the match? Is it an opportunity that that Patterson would go back in? Uh, I would expect there to be a couple of changes. You know, if players are returning, but but certainly the ones that have been affected with COVID, sometimes that's you know a lot easier said than done because players are taking a bit longer to recover, even. Mm-hmm after the 10 days isolation period and getting players back up to speed in, in terms of the minutes and whatnot that they can play. So um, I would expect there to be changes. You know, we've touched on Stephen Davis, you know, off the back of the Old Firm game, getting into the internationals, the amount of football that he's had in his legs. Will he, you know, be fresh to go for a 12.30 start on uh, the weekend or, or will he come out of the team and freshen things up? So I would expect to see changes. But for me, I think it's it's time now that we park the idea even at Tavernier being the, the club captain at Rangers and that's the, the reason why he starts games. I think if Nathan Patterson is, is a better option and his performance levels are stronger and he's producing just as much, I think Rangers have got to find a way to get him in the team because there's no point in knocking back a bid from Everton, albeit it probably didn't reflect the revaluation of the player. But he needs to play football. He's at that stage of his career now. We've spoke about him for the past year and, and whether he deserves to play or he deserves to you know, be there and, and develop a bit more. But I think he's ready and he needs to be in that squad. Stephen Gerrard has managed the squad mm-hmm. brilliantly last season. And I remember thinking it's a really strong squad and it still is. They've added to it. They haven't lost any of the big players. This could be one of the tests this year. Huge How do test. you keep them happy Huge test. in the year you're defending? Because he's got, what, two players, I've noted down, two players for each position. He's got three centre-forwards if you include Jermaine Defoe. Yep. So every time you pick a team, you've got 11 or 12 players disappointed thinking, I want to play. Then they don't play the next game. And it's almost, you've got to affect 
their mood and what goes on round about. It's the manager's door getting Absolutely. <laughs> but that's, if you want to be successful and if players want to be successful, they have to understand it's a squad game. And I think because of the, the, the number of fixtures coming up, he will look to rotate. He will look, and he has rotated early part of the season, but they haven't got the fluency yet. They have to use that old firm win as the catalyst to try and get themselves back to top form, to get back in to playing the way they did in the early part of last season. There's still little bits of parts of the game where it's just not been right. You know, the, the, the connection hasn't been right so far. So Stephen Gerrard will hope that that old firm win is the catalyst to kick them on. Well, the thing is, there's no point in going and, and you know getting the result that you get in the old firm to come back the following game and, and possibly Johnston. drop points. So I think the St Johnston game actually becomes an even bigger game now because mm -hmm. the result is so positive for the old firm. You need to back that mm -hmm. up and as Craig says, use that and as a catalyst. Top. They go top and they can go six points clear of, of Celtic, albeit it's only five games into the season, yep. but you know what, that's how they like and to the work. Derby and get the, 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 psychological, get yeah. the psychological edge. And that's what you want to do ahead of your opponents. Yeah, Colin was on last night from Belsilla Rangers fan. He said, it's such a pity there was the international break. He thought that, you know, the, the momentum was there. I think, Barry and Davey I think they were saying yeah but actually what a way to go into the international yeah. break because Celtic almost went in as fav favourites kind of mm -hmm. you know yeah. you'd never have thought that two months ago no, of course no. not but they had the bounce uh, and they got a knock by losing Rangers took the points Lewis yes and Johnson we know they've lost Ali McCann Jason Kerr but uh, still got some good players uh, Stephen Gerrard there's business to be done there isn't it because they took two cups last season and you didn't take the cups you took the league will that be a factor an extra spur yeah, definitely. <clears throat> as on St Johnston as well, <clears throat> I think Jason Kerr is a big miss. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest miss that they're going to miss in this, uh, in this the transfer window they're taking their players because Ali McCann's unbelievable. You seen him for Northern Ireland last night playing with Stephen Davis. He's absolutely unbelievable. He's going to go. He's going to go to the top. He's going to play in the Premier League. That's for sure. But Jason Kerr, that back five last year was just like a solid, solid defence, solid defence. And to take one of them out, is it going to be easy to replace them? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a struggle for them. On Rangers for the Cups, yeah, we'll probably look into win. The league will be the most important again. Mm -hmm. It always is. Um, but yeah, we'll probably look into add a few Cups as well because Gerard said last year one nine trophies isn't he good enough. So he, mm -hmm. he's hungry for more. So if he's hungry for more, I'm sure the players will be as well. So the ambition will be more trophies this year, definitely. Are you feeling a bit of pressure from Celtic under Postacoglu? Nah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no worries whatsoever. <laughs> So is it 25 points again, you reckon? Maybe not as much, but no. it'll be more than 10. I don't think the defence is up to it. Cheers, Lewis. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from 5. Radio Football Show, Leanne Crichton, Stephen Craig and Paul Cooney and loads of your calls coming in tonight. We're basking in the glow of Scotland's win, but so many calls coming in and mixing it with Scotland and either Rangers or Celtic. Good to hear. They're back this weekend. We'll be on the air on Saturday, 12 till 5. So it's Craig Moore, the former Rangers and Australia star, and John Hartson, ex-Celtic and Wales international, of course. Uh, Wales drawing last night. They had a hat-trick the other night for Gareth Bale. Just thinking about... No, man, I'm not be happy. Drawing nil-nil at home against Estonia. Indeed, yeah. Uh, I see the German play. Everything was OK, but the German side, having beaten Iceland, were flying over Scotland and they diverted to Edinburgh early hours of the morning. Mm. But thankfully, everything was OK, but they were there at Edinburgh for some time before heading back to Munich. 
0808 are the headlines. David Hopkin has left Air United today. Mutual consents. A bit early, what, four games down, yeah. but uh, joint bottom of the table. And it's Jim Duffy in charge meantime. Other headlines, Jim Goodwin, the St Mirren boss, he's urging football clubs to fight against the COVID passport calls, which have been uh, debated at Holyrood just now, all afternoon. He is against it, Jim. Goodwin is uh, against that. Hugely complicated thing, isn't it? What we would say is, mm. please get double vaccinated. Yeah. Get vaccinated. Take the pressure off the NHS, the doctors, the nurses. Come on, get double vaccinated, please. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a can of worms, isn't it, Paul? We could go on about sure. it relentlessly, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure every side could find the reasons why. I think Jim Goodwin's point was that we're lucky that we live in a, a country that people do have that freedom and, and the ability to make choices to take that away from people is is quite considerable, uh, albeit we can understand the reasons why the government would, would perhaps want that to be the case. But I think it's, it's you know, it's gone down a route that you would like to avoid if possible. So the easiest route is, is get double vaccinated, you know, keep doing everything that we can to, to stay safe. And this virus isn't going anywhere, yeah. put it that way. It's, it's something that's an ongoing issue week by week just now. And I'm sure that even Jim speaking is, is from a, an area of frustration that he's faced with problems day in, day out at the club like we all are. So, of course. Well, um, you face it, you know, in, in your club because you're at Motherwell now. Yeah, it's and the, the dressing room has changed again, hasn't it? You're obviously a bit closer than it was. Yeah, there's some venues now that you go to that you can access, changing rooms, you know, things like shower facilities and, and whatnot are back open dependent on the, the type of facility that you're, you're visiting and, and whether the clubs deem it to be appropriate or not. So there is certainly more scope and... and more mixing than there, there once would have been at another point of um, pre-season so it's just another obstacle you're overcoming you know people are back doing more things away from the game as well we only have the players for a short period of time and, and out with that it's up to them to, to try and stay safe which I think we all forget that people have lives away from football yeah, so sure. um, no there's there's issues every other day we're, we're you know testing probably four times weekly now with a lateral flow test just to try and really keep on top of it and to be honest it's been really valuable because there's been a, a couple instances that they've, they've really helped us out and, and showed up a couple of positive cases so then you need to deal with that in and around it so clubs are, are doing everything they possibly can and, and this in terms of the, the Covid passport thing is just another discussion as to make things safer but um, it's a bit much for me I want to ask you do you ever get used to the lateral flow tests <laughs> <laughs> I actually Ouch. think yeah. I am now Are yeah you? I yeah. think it's been grown for so long but we'll chat about that later <laughs> and I want to ask you about Glasgow City your old teammates losing last night in the Champions yeah. League to Servette 3-2 in aggregate 350 grand was on the table and I want to talk about the finances that you mentioned earlier that Simon Jordan mentioned with Jim White on the show a week ago but John's on the line a Celtic fan in East Kilbride John good evening Good, yourself? Good, I'm uh, very well. I'm just uh, uh, this weekend's fixtures. I think um, we've got a busy schedule in Scotland now. Uh, the internationals being so close and all the players coming back from you know, yep. different countries to then perform at the weekend. You know, it's, um, it's a busy schedule, but I'm um, absolutely loving it and can't wait for the weekend. Were you happy enough, uh, you know, the World Cup qualifiers? Obviously, we won. It disrupts the domestic season very early and it'll happen again, as you mentioned, just over three weeks' time. Are you okay with that? Do you know what? It is what it is. There's no way of getting around it. If Scotland, if Scotland gets Qatar, it's totally worth it. 
you know, just sure. hope that they get there. Anyway. John, we're going to try and get a, a better line with you. We're going to call you right back in a second or two. But that's, uh, is it the good news that UEFA are against the World Cup being held every two years? And that comes right back to the finance. So we talked about it a fair bit last night and it comes back to the billions that are earned from, well, the in Europe, you know yeah. the finances. Well, it's it yeah, to, yeah, yeah. it to do with UEFA and... In the Champions League and the and European Championships, you know, Infantino, who was the was the president, knows how much money they bring in. By all accounts, having now moved to FIFA, he's looked and thought, well, we've only got one major competition, so we're not bringing in as much money as what UEFA are. So what we want to do is we want to get more World Cups going. We want to try and bring in more revenue. So it's greed. It's greed and it's all based in finance. And, and you know, Leanne and I spoke about it before. Player welfare is irrelevant. Let's just get as much footballer as we can. Let's get t- football on TV. Let's sell advertising boards. Let's get sponsors. Mm-hmm. Forget the players, mm-hmm. which is actually the players are the product. So that's what they have to be careful of. We'll come back to that. And also, what are the time's going to be? Look at with Ronaldo now playing at Man United. The question is, when should the games be played? He's such a world mm-hmm. superstar. They're saying it might not suit some continents to have you know the football at you know five o'clock or whatever, three o'clock. We'll come back to that. John, I think you're in a better line now. What are you thinking for this weekend yeah. with Celtic? Uh, Kyogo you'd be a wee bit worried or no disrespect to Ross County if he is to be rested then it might be this weekend you know what I think it's a combination of both I think Celtic fans are eager and including myself to have Kyogo um, you know ready and available uh, but granted if he's you know played and got injured in Japan obviously we need to give him that rest time so yeah. a bit of a combination of both um, and you know it's not, it's not so bad that you know he is missing and I think Celtic Regardless if Kyo was there or not, we'll, we'll beat Ross County. Did you see that uh, the former Japan manager, Takeshi Okada, has criticised the current boss for playing Kyogo on the left and not through the middle? But of course, he could say the same about Postacoglu in the match <laughs> against Rangers, where, do you agree, John, the manager, he got it wrong. He's got so much right in the last two months, but he got that one wrong. I wouldn't say he got it wrong. Um, you know, I think I think Angus, I think that's the thing with Kyogo. I think there is a, a mixed opinion surrounding Kyogo, um, and I do think he is better um, playing through the middle, and he causes more problems playing through the middle. Sometimes rallying out wide, but um, you never know. See, with the introduction of um, you know the players Angus brought in, that could perhaps work well in his favour. Um, and in addition. You know, I think Kyogo's a player that is very versatile uh, in his mannerisms and the way he plays football. Um, so that that's that's my my opinion. I think um, you know it's a kind of diverse point of view. Sixty eight percent possession for much of the game, no goals from Celtic yeah. on that day. But well, Stephen, a couple of things that if Odson Edward scores that goal in the first half, nobody talks about what position that, that Kyogo played in. And the second one is when they did make the change in twenty three minutes, Kyogo played as a centre forward. He had three opportunities. Because of his little dynamic diagonal runs in behind, he was aware of space. He wants to go in behind and pose problems. He got into that space between Holander and and Barisic. He had the one he he should have squared the Ryan Christie, mm-hmm. and then he had the one he tried to square to him. He then had the ball over the top where McCrory commit made the good save. So he posed a different problem. And you know, if you judge it on the last twenty three minutes, you would think he should have played as a centre forward because his dynamism and his willingness mm-hmm. to go in behind caused the Rangers back four mm-hmm. all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I think that, it, you know, it's a different story playing him on the left um, against St Mirren at home. I think that's fine. You can, you're can you going to dominate possession and that's no disrespect to St Mirren. Um, I watched that game. I still thought he was less effective off the left than he had been the week previous through the middle. 
and then Craig makes a good point. I, I thought it, it was a different game when he went through the middle in the old firm game. I, I thought his movement, um, the fact that, that Postacoglu didn't recognise how much of a threat he could have been playing in that left-hand side of Hollander for an entire afternoon with the pace and, and the mobility that he's got, I thought was was wrong. You know, I think if you look back on it, and I know there was chances there with, with Edward and whatnot, but I think he is a central striker. I know there might be moments in the season that they can afford to put him in wider areas um, but I think when it comes to old firm games and the big games you want to have your best striker through the middle of the park and for me that was Kyogo the other week and not Edward John what would you want to say here on Go Radio about your captain and uh, Scotland I mean he's he's there all the time isn't he he turns up plays so well how do you feel about Callum McGregor this season Callum McGregor is just <laughs> I don't know how he does it um, his his uh, commitment to play every game I'd love for you guys to give me some stats about Callum McGregor and his game time because um, you know I don't know any footballer that's had more appearances um, in his career um, than Callum McGregor in terms of game time well you're right he played uh, you know, more he sorry he played more minutes than any other player in Europe two seasons ago I yeah. think I think that's what you're referring to John is there not another yeah. stat something yeah. like in, in one season he played more games than what James McCarthy had played in five <laughs> it was something like that due yeah. to injury and due to not playing Callum had played something yeah. like yeah. 64, 65 games or something wow. and James McCarthy had played yep. 60 odd and you know so it's, 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 it's stats are incredible the distance he covers in games but his performance level stays up there and last yeah. season like a lot of Celtic players I think it dropped a little bit because they, you know they weren't the same team but this year captain's armband he's taking it back up I think that's what you see with him though and he speaks about the way he lives his life as well you know he literally lives to play football and everything around it and I'm not saying that other players don't but he's one player that he's never in the headlines for the wrong reasons he he never wants to really speak about himself he's always fit and available Um, he doesn't ever buy into you know um, that he's a superstar or he's never looking for a move I always find it bizarre that when even a Ryan Christie there's so much speculation around his future and I always think why is there Never speculation you around Callum McGregor, though. but that's because Callum McGregor's content and he's happy and he plays his football and, and week in, week out, he produces seven out of ten performances minimum. Minimum, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the other night, John, we're going to give you some breaking news. It's not a surprise. We knew it would happen this afternoon. At Holyrood, MPs have approved the use of the COVID vaccine certification here in Scotland. So from September the 30th, you will use, we will use the NHS Scotland COVID status app It has a QR code. Vaccine status will be required for access to large-scale events, nightclubs, including football games. So we knew it was happening. You always hear about it a week in advance to kind of get us ready for it. The message would be get double vaccinated. John, enjoy it. Your scoreline, you think, for Saturday, Ross County? Uh, Scoreline, I think it'll be 2-0 Celtic. But uh, yeah, you're right, guys. About double vaccinations, get vaccinated because, you know, we can get back to enjoying our lives. You know, it's... um, Yep. It's there for, for helping. It's not there for any other reason. Um, and exactly. uh, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to this weekend. Great call. Thanks, John. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Too far away, too far away. Ground level, difficult to see. Obviously, the officials got it right. It was a penalty. Dykes managed to squeeze it through and get it in the back of the net. So important. 
He certainly did squeeze it through. It's amazing, Leanne. We got a decision. We don't have VAR day to day here, but you just thought, we're not going to get this, are we? <laughs> but we did. And then we nearly missed the penalty. But that was quite a moment. 21 minutes past eight, that's when it was the other night. Uh, yeah. Listen, you need that stroke of luck or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Scotland have been on the receiving end at times of poor decisions across European competitions. So, no, we got there in the end, whether it's for the, the spot kick, open play, a set play an OG, I don't care how it goes in the back of the net, as long as it gets there and, and we get the three points and absolutely delighted for the squad and even players like Craig Gordon, you know, to be part of that, I think he said the other night it was his 60th cap and his 25th clean sheet and I think even at his stage of his career, he probably thought it's, at some point it had passed him by and, mm. and he would never return again, so he's out there, you know, living life and loving it. Yeah, it just looks huge for us. Great performance away from home. We knew we really needed to take something from the game to get the three points. It was, was huge for us in this group. You can hear how he's buzzing. Yeah. yeah. He just looks so in control. Yeah. It? It's as if he's at a stage in his life, it's dropped and he's starting to relax. And every decision he makes, even catching the ball, it almost looks as if he's just catching a beach ball. It looks that easy for him. How he clears the ball, his organisation skills. He's in a really good place at the minute, Craig Gordon. He does. He looks so confident. I completely agree with and you. You're professionals. Yeah. And I think that can come from, you know, he's worked through that process, even if you break down Craig's career in, in terms of his injuries and how much he's played. And We've only got it, another hour. <laughs> at one point, yeah, he, he thought he would never play again. Yeah, no. So um, he, he's been through an emotional roller coaster. I think then his experience at Celtic and the way that finished, probably he felt let down and, you know, a bit gutted that he never got that opportunity to go and stake a claim for a number one spot again and then he's got you know he's a humble enough guy he drops down a division and, and goes and plays with hearts and, and he's built himself back up again and to see him back in the international stage I think just incredible and for any young player um, outfield goalkeepers that, that want to go and look at professional players Craig Gordon's one that you need to look at because he, he's grown in stature his entire career he's never get ahead of himself and as Craig says he plays now with he looks so relaxed in that pressure environment, but that's a process and a journey that he's worked through to get there. Leanne, who have been your role models? Was there one person you looked at, either in the men's game, the women's game, or I, anything, I, anyone in sport? I or? don't think there's particularly one person, but what I, what I say now to kids, and, and I don't know if kids do it the same way that we maybe did, and, and Craig's probably grown up as well, I, I would watch games and analyse performances and, and the way players moved and the way players behaved and the way they conducted themselves and, and even the way you would see maybe players reacting to a referee or how they would motivate other players and you know I think when you, you look at it now even when I'm out at games you know Craig Gordon is a player that you look at and you just think he strolls through games now mm -hmm. you know and he motivates people but he does it with that calm and influence and I think it as any sports person, there's always room for improvement. Um, and whether you're a young kid coming through or you're at the end of your career where I'm probably approaching, you can always grow and develop within that moment, you know, and, and throughout your career. So um, I think it's important that you reflect and, and, and look at players to, to improve. I'm thinking one of the people you would have looked at, a midfielder, Barry Ferguson. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, Special. And, and when you think of Barry and, and the age that he was, you know, mm. when I was growing up and watching the game and he was captain in Rangers, he was 21 years old and, and that's mm. incredible to, to deal with that pressure, uh, to perform week in, week out. We're speaking about, you know, players like Callum McGregor that are always that solid 7 out of 10 performer. That was Barry as well and at times probably a 10 out of 10 performer, you know, and, and a top side with quality players around him. Um, so, no, he of course, he was one that I would look at and... Again, looking at the way he moves and the way he protects the ball and the types of passes, you know, and you remember the, the free kick he scored in the, the cup final at Hamden. 
you know, you'd be straight back out in, in the field after that game had finished and you'd be going and trying to recreate that type of free kick and working your technique. And no, I think that as a young player and any aspiring footballer, you've got to look at these these people now. And thankfully, in the women's game, you've got role models as well that are, are there for young girls to see. And that's the bit that makes me proud in terms of the journey. I've gone for being a young player, having to look at the men's game. And, and of course, I enjoyed it and I watched yeah. loads of games on TV and I still do. Um, but it's nice now that, that young girls and, and women have, have got those female role models to look to and aspire to be. For sure. Stephen, for you. Barry, well, just, just touching on Barry. Barry was a smashing player. Mm. You know, I, I don't think people really appreciate because he's retired quite a while, how good he was. And I, you know, you watched the game against Malmo when they lost their way away from home and they lost their way for four or five minutes at home and then they couldn't get hold of the ball and they were, Barry would have been that player to say, give me that ball. I'll make sure, you know, I, I'm that figure who demands off people. You know, he would have been driving people on, but even just, you know, he was a smashing player and sometimes he probably underplays himself a little bit, but I remember I spoke to a couple of ex-Rangers players recently doing some TV work and they said about Barry, you know, he was top class. For a young man mm. coming in, he believed he was good enough. You know, he used to go into their dressing room or he trained by them and it was like, give me the ball. Mm. And he turned to senior players and that is someone who knows they're good. Barry probably doesn't know any different, but that's just mm. knowing himself or looking at him. It's just his mantra. He was a smashing player. He really was. Billy Gilmer reminds me of Barry Ferguson. Yeah. Give me the ball. Knows no exactly. fear. You know, what is he? 22, isn't he? Yeah. 21, 22. Really young 20. player. 20, 20, actually. Yeah, probably. I, I don't think he's 21. Yet. Yeah. yeah. Got the joint response group just coming in at the moment. I'll tell you in a second or two. Who were you? Here? Well, I mean, you played against yeah. Barry, so you know. Yeah. Who, who else did I you mean, look role up models to? I didn't really. Uh, yeah. My biggest challenge for me was to be the best I could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, the one person I actually I watched and kind of mirrored for a while was a guy called Simo Valakari. He was a Finnish international. He came to Motherwell. He ended up moving on to Derby. And, uh, you know, he was physically, he was in really good condition. Probably wasn't the best technically, but he got the best out of himself. He got everything from himself he possibly could. And I used to watch him in training. And then I joined in. We used to come in on days off. We used to do gym work together. And I almost just mirrored what he'd done to think, how's he getting the best out of himself? Just so I could change my habits and my routines he left him at on and then it was my challenge to go and do it myself. So the biggest challenge of the per person was me. I just continually wanted mm -hmm. to be the best I could be. Didn't think of anybody else. I went and de dealt with the sports psychologist and things and, and set goals and done different plans and, you know, decided I was going to be different than everybody else, how I trained and how I lived and what I'd done. So it's amazing how many people say to you in your career, you know, you were lucky. And I think, well, mm -hmm. you know, if you actually knew my story, you would realise luck had played absolutely no part in it whatsoever. And you can be critical of what I'd done mm -hmm. and how I played. I didn't really care, but... You know, getting the best out of yourself, whether it's work, whether it's football, whether it's sport, male or female, I think that's the biggest challenge as an individual. How many caps for Northern Ireland? Well, yeah, uh, no. 54. Fantastic. 54. But uh, I mean, it's not something I mean, Leanne, no. you don't get that through luck, yeah. Crags. Well, well, exactly. No, you don't. You don't. Gary Player said that, didn't he? The great golfer said, you know, the, the what is it? The uh, luckier the luckier I become. You know, the harder I work, the luckier, luckier I, become. I became yeah. over my year. That was it. Yeah, that over the years. Sure. The harder I worked. So really interesting. Love hearing the insights because most of us, you know, listening here on the Go Radio Football Show would love to have played the game. You've got 76 caps? 72. 72 yeah. but that's what you, And yeah. that's what even you know, now at Motherwell, you're, you're trying to tell players to be professional and, and to be the best you can be. It's not about money. It's not... There, there's certain things that, that that allows you to become, but mm. it's about attitude. It's about how yeah. you apply yourself day to day. It's, it's how you live your life away from the game and the way you prepare and the extra bits that you can do to control, you know, the bits that you control, you need to control that. There's certain elements of football and life that you'll never be able to control. And one of that is team selection. You know, you can never, 
make a manager's decision for them. All you can do is everything that you possibly can to influence that decision. And, and like Craig's is saying there, the psychological work, the gym work, mm-hmm. the way you eat, the way you sleep, the people that you hang around with, you know, the, the people that you spend quality time with, because they're all external factors that will ultimately impact your footballing journey. Um, and I think we're probably two people that have, you know, sacrificed more than enough yep. to, to sit and mm-hmm. say that we kind of know the way that you can go and do it might not be the right yep. decision for everybody. Maybe people will be a bit luckier than we were. Yeah. You've both worked really hard and maybe you'll be a manager one day and then you can decide who plays. Absolutely. But by that time, the legs will have gone <laughs> and our black hair but will no, start turning grey. Not for a while. Oh, that'll never happen. <laughs> That's what happens, believe me. Uh, so here is the joint response group for, from the SFA and from the SPFL. So there's a preamble saying, of course, we totally support the Scottish government and government's uh, fighting COVID. Of course they do. The key phrase, I think, is with only three weeks to go before the 1st of October deadline, we are committed to working hard to develop an effective and workable solution. With that in mind, we're keen to explore whether any vaccine passport regime can include spot checks rather than blanket inspections of everyone attending games. So, yeah, that's what they're saying. I mean, if you've got, well, we're going to have the Israel game on the 9th of October. 50,000 people at Hamden. You know, I, I went to Wembley, it was 20,000 for the England game and they did check on the way and I had the you know proof of double vaccination. So everyone wants to work to get this to happen, but it, it, there's going to be, there's going to be it's challenges going to, it's to going get to time people in. Of course, well, yeah. And all of yeah. that might work in the big venues, but immediately I'm already thinking, Paul, how do you enforce this across Scottish football at mm-hmm. stadiums that they don't have the I resources? Think I think well, it's just, oh, is it 10,000 plus? It is, is 10,000 yes. 10, oh, okay. yeah. I think enough. in England yeah. they were talking about 20,000. Here's another key phrase. They say, we have been in discussions with Scottish government officials regarding the practical implications of vaccine passports for major events, and in particular, the risk of health and safety issues and possible crowd disorder if fans are delayed getting into stadiums, which everyone naturally wants to avoid. They say they wholeheartedly support the national effort to eradicate COVID-19, and they've been in discussion with the Scottish government officials. That's the problem. If you've got tens of thousands of people trying to get into the, the ground, you know, and the game will have to kick off at a certain time. And if they can't, if it's delayed, listen, who would like to be in charge during yep. this pandemic? It is on, <laughs> we've never seen anything like it. I'm sure common sense will prevail, but it is, that's the news that we broke there Are just you sure? at six. Are you really sure? Common sense. sense will. <laughs> I think it will. We'll I, see the, the rollout in Britain. So. Look at, look at what we've so. done in the UK. Yeah. You know, it's been well, how far on we are compared of to course, other countries. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And we're not complacent. It's slowed down a bit. We need yeah. to make sure we stay on top of it, just to see what else is coming in. That was breaking news there. Um, yeah, they want to find a middle ground. Yeah, I think so, if anything, over this last eighteen months, it's taught us to be patient, isn't it? Yeah. You know, life needs to slow down a bit mm. at times, and even on match days, we're, we're probably going to need to, you know, make sure that fans, if you're going to games mm. and staff are going to need to be a bit more patient and tolerant in certain situations. I've already been out at games where there's been issues with turnstiles and fans Mm -hmm. getting access to stadiums and queues outside because of the staggered arrival times Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I think we just need to persevere with them. I'm sure the powers that be and, and, you know, as you say, Paul, you wouldn't like to be the the people making these decisions, you know, during this time. So um, they'll find a solution. But as, you know, as members of the public and football fans, we just need to sit back and relax and and certainly not get up on their high horses just yet. Of course. And it's for crowds of 10,000 and over uh, in Scotland, which is, well, you know, obviously Rangers Celtic by Amel, Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts. Does it then have to back up? Yeah, those are fine. But what happens with Motherwell, for example, one day, you know, their average is five and a half and then suddenly 11,000 turn up one day? 
when they're not expecting it. Sure. You know, is it pet the gate? You know, because you, if you're pet the gate, mm -hmm. you don't know how many paying customers you're going to get. It's different if you can allocate 3,000 mm -hmm. tickets to the away fans plus your five, you think we're under it. But, mm -hmm. you know, if more people turn up than expected, yeah. you know, how does that come into it? And hopefully there is that appetite because people, we've all been kind of locked down for a year and a half and there have been some great crowds, haven't there? That Simon Jordan that you mentioned, yep. he went to Hibs against Livingston. He said there were 14,000 there, mm -hmm. which is a terrific crowd. Brilliant, and that's yeah. not unusual. But it's probably a bit more than it would have been normally. Um, Must have played well. You yeah, know, I think sure. Hibs and Hearts, you know, start playing well, pushing top of the table. Aberdeen, they had an extra couple of thousand on because yeah, people like point. to go and yeah. watch a winning team. When things aren't going so well, then it's, you know, you maybe go once a month as opposed to twice a, uh, twice a month as a, as a casual fan. But I think there's an appreciation, isn't there? People have missed so much yeah. over this mm -hmm. period in time as well. So I think folk are desperate to get back out and support their teams or, or start to, you know, take family members along mm -hmm. that maybe they, they hadn't bothered before. So you would expect now that the crowds will increase and hopefully that continues throughout the season. And let's hope next year we're getting ready for Qatar. Have you been there, either of you? No, no, no never, no. Been. never been. No, let's called? hope next year. Not yet, but... Well, exactly. I was with someone, a uh, top trainer from the racing world this morning. And uh, yeah, I was thinking next year, Qatar, they've got horses over there and all the rest of it. There's no chance of me, I wouldn't imagine. But yeah, you never know. The boogie bus, James, will it be heading? It didn't quite get to Wembley, no. did it? But surely next it didn't year. didn't get to Glasgow, never mind no, get to Wembley. In indeed. I'll tell you, because of that penalty decision, let's hear from Lyndon Dykes. And who discovered him? Who was it that uh, got him to uh, be Scottish rather than Australian? And also with Shea Adams as well, because they've done us a turn. We know, you know, it's not Harry Kane. It's not, uh, you know, the very top but they've helped to get us in this position. Here's Lyndon Dykes. Obviously, we knew there was VAR. Um, from my angle, I was just kind of behind Shea, and it did look like he was grabbing him quite a lot. These days, uh, we don't really need to claim for much because the VAR is there to try and get the decisions. And obviously, went to the VAR, and the ref went to the, the screen and decided it was a penalty. That was my first time getting actually something rewarded off of VAR. I think it was right, the right decision, and, and it was a good good, uh, good goal. And what about the penalty? Yeah, I was aiming for where it went. You know, I was just happy to see it at the back of the net. It wasn't one of my best ones, but at the end of the the night hit the net and it went in and it was 1-0 at the end of the night I'll take that he looked calm though didn't he yeah, yeah. But the pressure must have been huge uh, this is what they're, they're yeah. paid to do though mm. you know deal with these pressure moments I think a, a striker is probably the one player on the pitch maybe along with the goalkeeper that really needs to zone in and, and focus in certain moments so no I'm delighted that the, the ball hit the back of the net whether he he meant to go that way or not he's, he's not going to tell you otherwise post-match anyway when the three points are no, in the bag sure. so no it's nice to let you know you can hear the joy in their, their voices as well post-match with interviews and I think Steve Clark keeps a, a monotone as, as he always does and, and keeps the media grounded but you can recognise within the players how much it means to them and, and whether they were you know Scotland players by choice or, or default at times who cares they're there and they're pulling on the jersey and I think they do that with a lot of pride There's such a threat those two you know, when you look at, and I suppose the one thing Lan touched on earlier, the one thing they're probably missing is they're probably not natural goal scorers. You know, they yeah. will get goals, but they won't get the number that Scotland would like or even their club careers. But they're physical. Mm -hmm. They can both run in behind. They're dynamic. They can hold the ball up. They're good in the air. You know, so they occupy a back four, which gives Scotland a great outlet. And you think against Denmark, Steve Clark was obviously looking at the Austria game and thinking, that's the game where the two of them are going to play together mm -hmm. or start together. Because he started Che Adams against Denmark. He started Lyndon Dykes against Moldova. So that was him bouncing his squad off. You know, he had to try and spread the workload over those three games. I think only four outfield players started all four games, which would have, or three games, mm -hmm. which would have been Grant Hanley, uh, Billy Gilmer, Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, Craig, Craig Gordon started all three. So the rest he was rotating, mm -hmm. which means last night, or sorry, Wednesday night, he was going, this is my team. There's three midfield yeah. of Gilmer and McGregor 
and John McGinn. That's the three I want. Stephen O'Donnell, Patterson, either side, but Hanley was going to play. Once Robertson and Tierney, once his two strikers, that's the way he was always going to play. So I think that's as close to his first 11. Scott McTominay, where does he fit in? Mm. You know, he well, exactly, in Jack, United. Because Jack yeah, yeah. Henry was terrific. Mm. You've got to say, excellent, mm. really, really good. He looks like a player who is now believing in himself. Somebody's mm. selling for big money. So uh, certainly plenty of choices, but the front two are a real handful. And if you're right, Craig, it is, sorry, Paul, it's, they're not natural goal scorers. And when you look at even the journey at Lyndon Dykes, you know, not too long ago yeah. was he playing at Livingston and yeah. a team that they don't dominate possession, but the job that he, he, he did there was that he, he worked hard and he was an outlet and he was physical, he occupied a back line. He's not, he's not going to change those qualities now that he's no. a Scotland international. <laughs> he's still yeah. true to himself and he will get you goals but he won't get you the same level of goals that other international strikers will get. So that's where we need to, to recognise the level that Scotland players are at. But um, as I say, every time they pull on that jersey, they give you 100%. And I genuinely don't think you can ask for anything more. We've now got that threat up front and let's hope it works. It's a month tonight. Well, it'll be on a Saturday as well. Five o'clock at Hamden, we'll be there. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. If it's Panorama tonight or the Go Radio Football Show, <laughs> news at 10 here with breaking news. Yeah, the COVID passport is going to be, have to be used from October the 1st. So in terms of football or any major sporting event, 10,000 or over people, you have to prove that you are double vaccinated. We've got Stephen Craig in the form of Motherwell, Northern Ireland star. We've got Leanne Crichton currently with Motherwell and former Glasgow City and Scotland star, 72 caps. Glasgow City beaten last night and, you know, money we're talking about it tonight. We're a wave of optimism about Scotland. We're talking about the World Cup. Is it going to be every two years? Most of us don't want that. But for Glasgow City, it could have been 350 grand last night if they'd beaten Servette. Yeah, it could have been. It's a tough one for the, the club to take, I think, today. They'll be kicking themselves. You know, I thought they had enough in the, the tank to get through that tie. Uh, one one it was last week. They took the the lead yesterday, and and to be honest, I thought they were by far the better team in in the first half that, that I watched. Um, I caught bits of the second half when I, I get back home, but I just think perhaps just that bit of experience and and knowing that you know when they'd got that lead to go and hang on to the game and and frustrate the opposition, but. The conditions yesterday as well, I think it was about 27 degrees. It was a 10 past three in the afternoon kickoff, so it was tough for the players to to adjust to that. I think, you know, living in Scotland, it's not yeah. not the climate that we're used to, but um, frustrating for them. And I think it, it, it just shows you the difference, though, even in, in the monetary value there within the, the Women's Champions League. They've restructured that competition again this year, and I think it does give the, the smaller teams a, a better chance of getting there. But... For me, I, I've thought about it over the, the last you know number of months and I, I think you know UEFA need to find a way to get another European competition in there and, and whether that's the, the equivalent of the Europa League. You know, there's only the Champions League just now and I think that gulf when you progress through the competition, it becomes impossible for smaller teams to really go and compete like Glasgow City, you know, quarter-finalists two times in, in the last decade, but they're never going to get beyond that, you know, and even this year they've struggled to now qualify for the group stages. So um, whilst UEFA and FIFA are looking at, at rejigging all these men's competitions and, and trying to generate yeah. more money and, and, and bleed the, the punters dry, they should maybe try and you know, use their initiative and really go and, and grow the women's game properly. Um, 
which I know they are doing and it's changed loads. But no, disappointed for Glasgow City, you know, follow their journey this season. Um, it's nice to be sitting on the other side of it, I would need to say, and not dealing with that level of pressure yeah. in those types of moments. Um, but it's not that long ago we called you. You were in Champions League yeah, last season when you came on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, even just sitting watching the, the game yesterday, it probably makes you realise that you're not part of it. You know, mm. sometimes there's just wee moments that, that you'll reflect and... You know, I, I kind of went over some stuff in, in Twitter a couple of days ago as well and there was some incredible memories that popped up but mm. I'm glad I've got those memories and so, I just yeah. wish that the players that are there now can can go and create some more and hopefully at Motherwell we can go and develop a team that, that can start trying to What's the managerial situation at, at Glasgow City? Because when Scott left... Yeah. Scott Booth, of course. Yeah. yeah, they were talking about taking a different route and bringing in. Yeah. They were talking about a female head coach, weren't they? Yeah, and I think that, that seemed is, to be the, the, the is, is probably still the the hope. Um, I know that they were in talks with a, a a new head coach that I think they're hoping to bring in towards the end of the year. But as far as I'm aware, it's Grant Scott will be there, there and continue. and he's in yep. there in an interim basis. Um, really good guy. He was the former Hibs manager. He was in with Scott Booth as an assistant mm-hmm. for a period in time. And I know the girls have have taken really well to to him being in and. You know, it's an awkward one because normally when you go into a new management position, it's in moments of crisis. He's going in and taking the top team in the country, yeah. and and the Which only is a bit of pressure really well. the only way you yeah, can go is down. Exactly, so. it's a bit of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> and more um, money going into Celtic and Rangers. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's so be it's the a, a tough time for yeah. him to go in there, but they've got a, a, a strong group of players. It's just a, a real shame they missed out yesterday. It should be good to hear from some women or men about the women's game as well, because there's more of it there. It does need more financing there for sure, and maybe you know business people will with their own daughters or whatever involved in football, because more and more. Mark Guidi was saying the other day one of his daughters plays. Yeah. And 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 so we should. So let's hope more money will come in. Loads happening. Loads of people calling in and responding to the double vaccine passport. Here's Duncan. Duncan Mack has been on saying, "Yep, anything in large groups should require proof. It's safer for everyone around you." MC nineteen seventy eight is saying, "Well, a lot of clubs could have to refund season tickets." But uh, let's hope they get a way around it to get people in. There must be, surely there will be. Uh, This weekend, we're back to the Premiership action. So we're on on Saturday from 12. And at 12.30, St. Johnson against Rangers. Some great games this weekend. There's Motherwell against Aberdeen, St. Mirren, Dundee United, Dundee against Livingston and Celtic against Ross County. And on Sunday, top of the table, Glasgow, the West, what are we doing about this? Hearts <laughs> and Hibs. So let's speak to one of Celtic's uh, new signings then, Liam Scales, joined defender from Shamrock Rovers. Uh, how did he feel about joining Celtic? That's great. Like It's kind of been in the works for the last month or so, but obviously I was over just before the international break and then I got called back, back to Ireland for the um, senior team and now... It's good to be back. I got back last night, trained today, and finally start like looking forward to games. And we've got a busy month coming up, and yeah, it's, it's a great feeling. Like it's great, especially for an Irish lad. And he knows it's a big step up. Yeah, definitely. I suppose in the last year or so, when I was I was performing at Champ Rovers, obviously we won we won the league last year. We're top of the league this year, and I was playing every week, doing well. I, it was in the back of my mind that. I could take a step to the next level and it was it was about waiting until the time was right and until the right move came up and then I suppose once this came about like it was a no-brainer. So when will he play? When will we see him? Much will depend on what the manager thinks. Yeah, it's great. Like it's great to know that the manager backs you and, and believes in your ability and now like obviously I know it, it's up to me now to train well, put in a bit of hard work, show what I'm about and, and, and hopefully get into the team. But it's 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 a good it's a good place to start knowing that you have backing from the manager. 
So everyone knows Celtic needed numbers, especially at the back, and they needed quality. I see Julian has been registered for the Europa League. Maybe that's a good sign. Um, do we know too much about Liam Scales, Shamrock no, Rovers? Decent well, I, I've, I've watched a bit of Shamrock Rovers, and, and what I would say is under Stephen Bradley, I think he had three, three or four games at Falkirk. Uh, they play the right way. You know, they want to play. He's decent in possession. He's comfortable. He's got a really good left foot. We heard him earlier on saying he can play left centre half, he can play left back. And that's probably what Celtic need at the minute. You know, Greg Taylor's been the lone ranger out in that left hand side. You know, he's had to play every game. He's carrying a couple of knocks. So to get someone in like that, but it is a big step up, you know, from, from League of Ireland football, um, right up to, you know, Premiership football in Scotland, but European football, but not just that, the expectation that comes from playing with Celtic. But he touched on it there also about, you know, as an Irish lad coming over, being from Dublin, he sounds like he's from Dublin. Oh, he does, um, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yes. he sounds like a dub. So, you know, coming over and, and getting the chance to play for Celtic, which, you know, Celtic are glorified over there. You know, they love Celtic in Dublin. It's all they talk about, you know, the huge fan base. So, it's uh, a big change for him, but, you know, he seems certainly level-headed, good temperament about him, and it'll be interesting to see how he does. Quite a bit of pressure on him as well, though, you would need to say, because he's probably coming in at a time that Celtic do need reinforcements defensively, as much as we've spoke about the change under Ange Postacoglu and, and the signings that have come in, there's still a bit of scrutiny over the way they defend their box and, and the goals that they've conceded. So he's now going to be part of that. He's, he's hopefully going to be a solution um, and make them better. Just looking even ahead of this weekend, would you expect maybe to see him at, at some point, possibly? Um, Stephen Welsh, I watched him in the under-21s game midweek against Turkey and he was a he was a real strong performer. you know. And I think he's another one. We spoke about Ralston earlier on. Those boys have really stepped up this season and you look at you know Starfelt, who's come in as, as maybe the bigger name and the bigger signing, but he's, he's not hit the ground running. Um, and I think there's still some frailties there. So, you know, I'm sure Liam Scales will have something to say about that and he'll be looking to try and force his way in. And if it's a left centre-back position or a left full-back position, um, he'll be looking to go and try and stake a claim. That's a great point. He was asked, as you mentioned, Stephen, we played this earlier, but it's worth hearing. He was asked, what's his best position? Yeah, it's great. Like, it's great to know that. that the man and here it is. If I play the right one. Like, I'm comfortable playing in, in a couple of positions. I'd say my strongest position is, is left side, centre back or left back. In the last season or so with Chamak Rovers, I was playing left wing back. I've played in a back three with Rovers on the left and in the middle. So I don't necessarily think I have a strongest position. I think I can cover all areas kind of as well as each other. Because Celtic went into the new season, Hearts, you know, looked uh, to be good. And then the sucker punch right at the end, the defensive frailty, the, the uh, free kicks last season punished them time after time, Stephen. Yeah, to be fair, in the, in the majority of the Rangers game, they actually defended quite well. Mm. But normally in the big games, it boils down to one big moment when you're looking for that uh, leader in, in your back four to go and head the ball. You know, it's the one thing looking at, you know, Stephen Welsh and, and uh, Starfelt as well as uh, Cameron, Cameron Vickers. Vickers yeah. you know, they're not big imposing centre half. They're not six foot three, six foot four, where you think almost a magnet the ball's a magnet to them they want to go I think they're aggressive enough but sometimes if you don't have the size and the physicality to go and be as aggressive as you'd want to be then it makes it harder for you and it was their Achilles heel last year they conceded too many goals from set plays too many goals from, from cross balls into the box they haven't been as bad this year but it's still something you have to keep an eye on do you think the game's changed, Craig's, in the sense that a lot of even you know you look at defenders now in you know world football, European football, that there's so much emphasis on being footballers oh, now totally. and building for the back that they've actually lost that bit of almost like a, a desire and a mm. a recognition of the danger areas yeah. that when balls are thrown into the box, it's a bit like 
but it's not on the deck. How, no. do, how do we defend against this? And then see when you see a young player going on head and, and making tackles, you go, oh, yeah. you actually sit up and think, there's one. That, yeah. You know, like that one that stands yeah. out. You know, that, which is, I mean, I'm not going to go in Ross County, but they've got a young centre mm. half unknown from Arsenal, a boy called Harry Clark. And then Northern Ireland, his boy played last night, a guy called Daniel Ballard, who's unknown at Millwall. And they, they couldn't be further from being Arsenal players because they want to defend. Mm -hmm. They want to go and head the ball. They love making contact with the ball in the box. They love being physical with centre forwards. You know, one's 20, one's 21. They love making tackles. And I think that is what yeah. a centre half should be based on. And then you can grow the game into them and, and, and you can manipulate the game and, and teach them coming out with the back and their passing options. But to have that raw ingredient of wanting to go and compete and want to be physical, you're right, I think it's actually a dying breed. Yeah, it's something that stands out to me a, a hell of a lot and probably more this season because you're... I'm in the coaching side and you're looking at it a bit more both in the men's and the women's game and you just think there's... It, you almost... Not that you forget to coach it at times but you assume that it's yeah. a given for players mm. that if you're a defender you want to defend but I think a lot of the time it's we're so caught up in, in coaching the right way and, mm. and doing mm. the right things that actually in the, the key moments in the game which we say, it, you know, the game's won and lost in both boxes if, if you don't do that right then, you're, yeah. you know, it's very mm. costly. Yeah. We started the programme tonight with uh, the manager, Steve Clark, saying, I love my players, and he paid tribute to the entire team. Can't put a points target on it. I told you that. I said that. I've said it all along. We wanted to get as many points as we could. We got six. I think that's a decent return for the week. We went to Denmark. Covid disruption, in injury disruption. We went two goals down early in the game. We dug in. We found a way to get back into that game, which I thought was great character for the players obviously we lost the game we got criticised I couldn't say too much after the game Israel went there tonight and got beat five we're a good team I'll repeat we're a good team we've got a great squad of players and we, everybody involved with the group wants to do well for their country all together now <laughs> we're a good team <laughs> I'd love to hear that the, the passion because we don't hear it enough He's, uh, is he Ayrshire? sounds that way uh, yes. uh, I think he's from down that way he is isn't he? yeah uh, not Auckland Lecker. I don't Aye, think but yes, yeah. somewhere down there. But great part of the country, great people. But you know, understated. But it's good to see him. You know, after that victory, I know he doesn't get carried away. So much is said about Scottish football. It's criticised. It's not valued enough uh, in England. So Chris Iyer, Christopher Iyer, who's gone, of course, uh, down south. He has just said the new Brentford player. So he's saying it's natural when you play too many matches at a level that isn't high enough. So he's pictured here in a Celtic strip. I have incredible respect for the Scottish League, but there will be too many matches where I am not challenged enough. I think the Premier League is not possible to complain about. So England, not you can't say that there. But he's saying he wasn't challenged enough in too many games. It came out last. It was funny because it came out last night, and suddenly there was lots of supporters below from other clubs right. putting in moments where he had made mistakes, where he'd been exposed. I think he'd been to Livingston <laughs> four times, and he had yeah. drawn three times and lost once. So he's never won at Livingston as a player. Yeah. So it's amazing how just and, and Lyndon Dykes' name came up because I remember Lyndon Dykes gave him a really hard time earlier about a couple of seasons ago. So yeah, sometimes when you leave a place and you move on. Just let it be. Say, I had a great time. Yeah. I love my time in Scotland. I know when I'm planning. I mean, he's a wonderful footballer, but the jury was out in some ways as a defender. Was yeah. a defender more a sort of attacking midfielder? Yeah, and I think that was his downfall. You know, and I also think that he believed the hype around him quite yeah. early on, and he really bought into that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think in down to England, of course, he's going to come up against greater challenges in terms of individual players that will be world-class footballers and the, the style of the game will be different. You hear it all the time, but it, it doesn't mean that one brand of football suits you better than the other. I think ultimately he's a good footballer. He's, he serves Celtic yeah. well. He's going down south and as Craig says, just let it be. You've, you don't need to justify performances and what he's maybe doing is trying to cut himself a bit of slack in the sense that 
if I'm not firing in all cylinders and now don't judge me because I've came for a lesser standard and it'll take me a wee bit of time to uh, adjust. If you're a good footballer and you deserve to be there, go and play and perform well and do that week in, week out. Absolutely. Whether you're in England or Scotland, it shouldn't matter. Of course. Barry Ferguson, who played obviously down south at Blackburn Rovers and at Birmingham City uh, when, they, when they were the top division, he said that they don't realise, people don't realise how good the football is in Scotland and not just in the, the top league, the Premiership, down the divisions yeah. and look at his old Kelty Hearts and what they did there. Look at Queen's Park. I mean, see Kelty Hearts, of course, unbeaten. Uh, yeah, in, in the, the well, Scottish football's been, yep. been good enough for Christopher Iyer that he's, yeah. he's got his move to England. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's played its part in his career sure and has. probably yeah. will be some of his fondest memories, you know, because mm -hmm. he's actually got silverware to show for it. Yeah. Hopefully he can go and replicate that in England and, and win trophies because at the end of your career, when you look back, you wouldn't be thinking about the, the best games, you'll be thinking about the best memories that you created. Of course. It's changed so much though, isn't it? He's off to Brentford. I mean, you've got the new ground and it's wonderful they've come up, but a few years ago you'd be like, what? Incredible. Brentford? Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> so we asked the guys the other night, Andy Murray was saying when he won his first major title, the Grand Slam at uh, Wimbledon in 2013, a day we remember, I'm sure, that Sunday afternoon, where were we? But he said he couldn't enjoy it and couldn't take it in enough. He was absolutely shattered after the game and they were talking about dinner at night time. What does he wear at the ball, the Champions Ball? He didn't care. Any moments that you should have celebrated in your international yeah. or club career that passed you by? That's what I'm going to ask you after this. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Forward to the 10k taxi minute tomorrow morning. That should be it's compulsive listening every morning, 10 past and eight. Leanne, I know you've been trying. I'm not going to ask you the questions tonight. We tried a few last <laughs> night with Davy and Barry, and uh, yeah, but we won't do it tonight. But tomorrow morning, 10 past eight, you could win 10,000 pounds here on Glasgow's newest and best. It's Go Radio Crofty and Gradle tomorrow morning from when you wake up. But at your rate, you'll be up what time tomorrow? Where are you heading? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Tomorrow, no, I'm not. My, my daughter is at high school now, so we're up at quarter to seven every morning. Oh, right. She gets up and gets Jesus herself ready. And it's ready the real go, stuff so. now. The high school. school. Yeah, might catch that in the car then tomorrow, Craig's on the school run. No, she does the. She, she gets a bus. Off. So, you're just I, on breakfast duties I, I'll, I'll be at walking the dog <laughs> I wonder if my daughter's teaching her if she lives out that way we'll oh, uh, take that <laughs> off air 0808 17 17 700 tomorrow night it's going to be Barry Ferguson here along with Mark Quiddy and myself but today what would we have given for this when we look at the table looks like this Denmark on 18 points second position on 11 points Scotland Israel third on 10 points and Austria on 7 points we're just a month away from the game we're going to need the double a Covid passport by then that was the breaking news an hour ago but that is going to be some game it's like a cup final as the manager said after the win in Austria it means that the next game's another cup final tonight was a cup final we needed three points we got three points we've got Israel at home we want three points and that's what we'll play for we will indeed yeah good performance difficult place to come we said it was a pivotal week in the group and we've come out with six points so satisfactory some people want to label as long ball, but we got it down, we passed the ball. We're not a long ball team. We can do both. We have to go long, we can play. We can win the second ball. If we have to get it down and play, we can pass it as well. Created a lot of chances in the game. Could maybe have got one or two more. And obviously at times when you have to defend, on the, you're under a little bit of pressure away from home. We showed great character to defend the box well. He was stung by the criticism of the Austrian manager, Franco Foda, wasn't he? You can hear that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know why he bites at times, over Steve, yeah. Steve mm -hmm. Clark, he, he's quite quick to... Um, I think he tries not to give you headlines, but by not trying to give you headlines is is actually what he gives you. Um, who cares what other people think about us, you know? And, and, and who cares, even if you're in that Scotland camp, what the media say? 
uh, and what that opinion is because ultimately it won't influence or impact their performances. You know, the, the boys will prepare and play exactly the way Steve wants them to play in, in those games. Our opinions won't matter. Other teams' opinions won't matter. And I would agree. I don't think they are a long ball team. I, I think they, they do mix it. You look at the quality that we spoke about earlier in terms of the midfield, the defensive qualities that we've got up top, the, the, the strikers and what they give us. So I think what you need to be is versatile. And at times maybe just we've fallen short of coming up with the right answers to the, the solutions when we need them. But um, it was a pivotal week in the group and six points out of nine is is excellent. It sets us up well for the Israel game. I mentioned that, that sellout crowd. I think it'll be brilliant for the players to experience that. And it's now up to them again to go and step up and perform and play. And, and it's another three points. That's all it is. You know, they're, they're not there yet. It's, it's not one step away from qualification. It's only three points and that's kind of where you need to just slow yourself down and, and take each game as it comes. And you made that point in the first hour of the programme. We often do it the hard way. So we're not going to pick the team for the next one, but does it almost pick itself? But you did say yeah. earlier on that you know the glaring omission would be Scott McTominay. Grant Hanley is obviously going to be out because of the booking. Um, do you see any, any He's other? a big miss actually, yeah. I would say Hanley. Is he the most improved player in the squad? I think he certainly stood up and, and shown his real qualities. You know, I think as a defender, it, we're speaking about that minutes ago in, in terms of players that want to go and defend the box and be physical. And um, he, he's certainly not short of pace either, Grant Hanley. That's something that really people never really thought an no, awful lot about no. until they watched him in the he's Euros. Recovery thought, pace. Oh, he's recovery pace. Yeah, he's got pace. And probably because we don't watch an awful lot of him. Playing at noise in the championship. We don't Especially see last season. Yeah. Sure. You yeah. know, so we, he kind of goes under the radar. Then he yeah. pops up and you think, oh, oh. Yeah, it's actually better than what we thought. And so the manager called him his rock. Grown. Yeah, well, he's certainly grown. Well, he started yeah. all three games, didn't he? There's no doubt about it. I think when everybody's fit and ready to go, the only position up for grabs is the right side centre half. Is that where Scott McTominay plays or Jack Henry? And the right wing back, Nathan mm -hmm. Patterson or Stephen O'Donnell. Okay. I think the rest of it picks itself, mm -hmm. which would be the the players from the other night. So, I touched on this last night that I, I saw some of the uh, critiques of it and the numbers they were giving and they gave Stephen O'Donnell six. I thought that was a bit harsh. Oh, yes. I think it's an easy it's an target. It's, it's an agenda. It's much think, easier. Absolutely, why? Yeah. That boy has given everything. everything. What's that, 12 caps in a year? Yeah. Less than a year. Well, he, had, he, he hasn't been involved with Motherwell for the last month. He'd been ill exactly. and he'd been, like, hadn't trained and played. That was his first game and he absolutely ran himself into the ground. So Stephen, but, what's that like then for him to go? What As a player... Can you tell what's it like to be out for a month early in the season? Physically. And yes, and then well, playing against you know Austria. What? Sometimes it depends what position you play. See, if you play as a holding midfield player, you maybe don't have to cover as much ground. If you play as a centre half, you don't have to cover as much ground. He's a wing back. Mm. That is what, you know, the, the graveyard shift. That's what they call in football the graveyard <laughs> yeah. shift. Yeah. As a wing back, you've got to go box to box. When you attack, you've got to be up. When you defend, you've got to be back. You're literally just doing box to box runs the full game, Paul. So if you're missing a month of football, a month of match fitness and sharpness, and a month of training, you're not maybe where you should be physically, but he's putting himself out there. He said, listen, I'm fit. I want to turn up for the camp. I'm probably not as fit as what I would like to be, but I'll play and as manager is good. I trust you, on you go. So sometimes you have to give people credit. It's easy sometimes to write people off and say, only plays for Motherwell, give him a five, give him a six. We're even thinking about it. People have an agenda, journalists or whoever it may be, they quite like Nathan Patterson. Fine, no problem. And is he a better player? Possibly just slightly edges it. And, and longer term, he'll be, mm. you know, will be a better player than Stephen mm. O'Donnell. But here and now, he's playing well. He's doing his job. Give him credit. Why do they have to put people in some? It's either in life it's black or it's white. It's you know it, opposite ends. Give him fair praise. Actually, Chris Boyd um, mentioned him 
yeah. the commentary afterwards. And he said, Stephen Adol, and I was pleased to see it because it's not such a fashionable club and I know you're both that motherable. Yeah. It's no disrespect, but it's not the Hollywood signing. And suddenly they give him, you know, a little bit of stick, which it's a democracy, we're allowed to, but it was lovely to hear that tribute to Stephen. What you see is what you get, mm-hmm. I think, with Stephen. You know, I don't think he would shy away from, from owning up to, um, you know, his weaknesses in, in terms of how he is as a footballer. But I think he works tirelessly at his strengths, you know, and he works tirelessly to go and develop other aspects of his game that he's maybe not been blessed with, you know. And, and I know that we spoke earlier and Craig spoke about that psychology and I've had conversations with Stephen O'Donnell and he spoke about, you know, how he works in terms of his running technique and his application and the way he tries to develop himself as a young player and coming through now as a, a senior player and how driven and ambitious he was at times that he maybe put off a couple of moves because he genuinely believed that he could go and, and play at a, di- a different level. Um, he's now Motherwell captain and he's there and he, he will be that solid performer throughout the course of the season. I think, of course, there'll be moments like any footballer where you have an off day or, or you don't do something that quite catches the eye that we all want to write that you're a, a 10 out of 10 in the newspaper the following day. Um, but I, I think the character that, that Stephen's shown at times were... He has been the scapegoat, you know, and even mm. at the Euros, he was a player that was probably hung out to dry at times and, and he was the easy one to go and blame and that comes to just the club that he's at because yep. he, he's not a household name to other people and um, he doesn't get paid the, the same of wages course. as other, other mm. folk but he certainly turns up and will give you everything that he's, he's got in his locker. And they all did the other night. Mm-hmm. And listen, Nathan Patterson gets so much praise, yeah. quite rightly, on this programme and elsewhere. Yeah. But it's really easy, isn't it, to say, oh, he's a Rangers player, oh, he's a Celtic player, uh, oh, they're Arsenal or uh, Liverpool, whatever. And they're there for a reason as well. But he is a player that has, uh, he's super exceeded, yeah. uh, you know, certainly the other night and in many occasions. Okay, I asked you just before the break, oh, Andy Murray said he couldn't take it in really, he couldn't enjoy that moment when he won at Wimbledon 2013. Leanne, were there moments in your career then when you thought it kind of passed you by? I think we, you won so many titles. Yeah, I think as you get older, Paul, you start to to appreciate the moments, you know, as they happen. And I think there, there probably has been games in the past, you, you know, qualifying for the the Champions League, the mm. quarterfinals, um, cup finals that we would have won last day of the season, victories that you you win the league, but. I think as a footballer, all you can think about is the next game at times. And, really? Yeah. And when those moments have fallen in my career, it's been mid-season. You know, the Champions League format and, and the way those games fall, you play midweek, you're straight back, you've got preparation, you go again the Sunday. You don't really get to sit back and go, wow, what a, an incredible achievement. I think as I got older, um, probably 2019 when we had the League and Cup double, was one of the first times that I actually thought to myself, you need to take this in. You need to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And that was when we were in the run in the Champions League as well. So um, that, again, just comes from experience, being able to slow down and, mm-hmm. and appreciate where you're at and your teammates and the people that you take the field with at times that, you know, you can take that for granted, playing alongside your friends and good teammates. And, you know, when I was at Glasgow City, it was like a family environment, you know, and you can forget that. You can lose that quite quickly. Um, but I think it is important, you know, and I would say that to any player, regardless of whether it's just three points on a Sunday or, you know, a cup final or whatever, appreciate the moment, live in the moment for as long as you possibly can. Stephen Craven. Well, that, that's something I didn't do. Uh, when I left the dressing room on a Saturday, mm-hmm. it was parked, that was forgot about. It was all about moving on to the next one. And, and there were so many occasions where I, I, I would like to go back now, press the pause rewind. Button, yeah. uh, rewind and then pause and actually enjoy it speak to people and enjoy the adulation and, and the moment and winning games um, if I ever won a game I, I, I sat in my kit as long as I could before I got <laughs> yeah. to the shop because I wanted to absorb it 
because I knew when I had my shower and put my tracksuit back on, it was finished. That was now parked, and I was then going to have to think about the next game. And I was always thinking the next session, the next day, the next, and then I was 35 and I was retiring, and I thought, oh, mm. that's just disappeared. You know, so I agree, you know, that that you know, young people enjoy it. And, but my focus was always on what's next. Where am I going for next? Where's my next? I'd set so many goals. It was always about where I'm in the process, what level I'm at, where have I got to get to next? As opposed to actually thinking, I, I always felt if I enjoyed it, then I was taking my eye off the ball, weirdly, I, I, whether that was the case or not. But when you play big international games, you know, I see the guys uh, last night playing at Windsor Park, drawing 0-0 with Switzerland, you know, beating England, beating Spain, beating uh, drawing with Portugal, beating Poland, beating Denmark, beating Sweden on huge nights. I used to go back and my mum and dad and my brothers were all yeah. celebrating and I was yeah. taking a sleeping tablet and going to bed because really? I was I was up the next morning to do a recovery session to get back to Glasgow to do it. You know, so it was just, it was crazy how it went. But listen, I enjoyed it when it done. I enjoyed yeah. the games. It's nice to look back now and talk about it, but it's, it's kind of gone. The generation's got, it's someone else doing that. But some great times. Did we find out anything last night, Lewandowski versus uh, Kane? Who's the greatest striker in the world? <laughs> Not sure we did, but Kane's on the score sheet. Oh, they yeah. could all state their claim, I think, yeah. on their yeah. day. You know, they've all got something different. They're all household names and incredible footballers. It's just a, a joy to watch some of them. Um, and excited for Ronaldo to make his, his return to the English Premier League as well. It's not that's incredible. It's not live on TV. That was part the of the debate. Yeah. Yeah. So Checking it, themselves. Yeah, it, 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 it sparked the debate, which was, well, it has to change that clubs will in time, the biggest clubs, because this isn't going away. You know, the breakaway in Europe, no. we're talking about FIFA and UEFA. The, the Barcelonas, Real Madrid, Juventus are determined to do this. And we heard from Lord Willie Hockey on this programme a few months ago, the top clubs in Europe are 7.2 billion in debt. They were then. 7.2 billion. So whatever we say about it, and I, I do love, we all say, oh yeah, we've got to keep the integrity of uh, what, UEFA and FIFA and all the rest. <laughs> no. And I'm not, you know. It doesn't go hand in right, hand. Okay, um, so money has to make it go around. So much money goes out of the game to the agents and players, and I'm not blaming the players as well, but it's so much of it goes straight back. But not everywhere, Leanne, and I know that, not the women's game. Yep. And, and actually right down the pyramids, I mean, at the top level, then they do. But most players in Scotland are uh, working... Just normally, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's certainly, it's not Hollywood wages. No, it's yeah. not life-changing. No, but it's going to be a big change in the coming couple of years yeah. um, in, in the structure of the whole thing. But yeah, not, no, you can yeah. see it changing already, can't you? With, with big clubs and, and the power shift and, and what they're trying to achieve. But um, players like Ronaldo, you need to enjoy them in the moment as well. Is the power shift going to change in Scotland with Hearts Hibs this weekend? So they'll stay, somebody could stay at the top uh, this week. Could you fancy on that one? Do you know what? It's, yeah. it's one of my favourite fixtures in the calendar. Why? Whether I'm working at it or watching yeah. it because it's a smaller ground. So it's a Tancastle. Yeah. Tancastle yeah. atmosphere is incredible. Stands will be bunged. Atmosphere will be up. Intensity will be great. Football, sometimes it's a hit or a miss, but mm. it's full of passion and full of heart. I love it. Martin Boyle, of course, is a worry. Hamstring injury, yeah. yeah. Real so big we'll worry for there. Jack Ross. And what about Barry Mackay coming into Hearts? They got him. Yeah, yeah the it's a, a big signing yeah. for them. I'm, I'm really interested to see how he gets on. I think he was, again, one of those players that was spoke about for a, a number of years in Scotland, a, a top performer. Um, he's been off the radar for a bit, so it'd be nice to see him back in Scottish football. And I think you can see the, the intent from Hearts in the signings that they've made. I think the Edinburgh Derby will be an absolute cracker at the weekend, and I honestly don't think you could call it because... Um, they'll, both sides will be desperate to come mm. out on top naturally but I think they've strengthened equally well this season Do you know what I'm going to throw you for Saturday what about Motherwell against Aberdeen oh, I always love that's yeah. a great game Aberdeen haven't yeah. won in five you know, they started the season really well they had a big win against the Swedish team I can't remember how yeah. you pronounce the name yeah. and, and then they it's got through five. they went really well and then suddenly they've had a dip 
So this is a big game for them. They have to try and turn it around. They have to try and stop it, but they never get it easy at Fir Park. Who's going to win then? Motherwell. Motherwell going to win. Got it back to Stephen Men. Got it back to Stephen Men. I don't see think I can tomorrow go the club, tomorrow. <laughs> and Celtic Ross County, I think people would expect probably Celtic to win on that Ross County tough start to the season. And on Sunday, Leanne, you've got Hibs at home. We have. You have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have. Looking forward to that one. Um, we need to try and get off the mark and certainly it's our first home game at Alliance Park for the new season. So looking forward to it and hopefully everybody's fit and available and we're ready to go. The final word... Let's give it to Steve Clark. Listen, some people in the country don't really believe in this group of players, but I do. I love my players. I trust them everywhere we go. We know we're a good team. We know we're a good group. We're trying to grow together. And we're looking forward to getting a full house at Hamden for the next game. And the Tartan Army will get right behind us. Stephen, that could be the team talk. Yeah, couldn't it for that, the next one? That, Leanne? That's it. Yeah. I'm sure the boys will be getting a bit of stick and extend the turn up. Great. Somebody's got to turn up with a big love heart. I'm sure it'll be John McGinn. Jokal Day is next. We're back tomorrow night with Barry and Mark at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five.